steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! Welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt. And today, well, there just isn't a whole lot to be excited about anymore. Now is there. Um, we, of course, didn't talk earlier this week following the Vikings' loss to the winless at the time, Lions, um, handing them their first victory of the season. So we'll chat about that just a little bit here. And then, of course, the Vikings are right back at it. Um, Tonight, actually, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, uh, the Vikings play against the Steelers at home at U.S. Bank Stadium, trying to rebound. All hope is not necessarily lost to this date, although I will fully admit that this last game sucked everything out of me. So um, it's not over, but it's kind of over. So we'll see where we go from there. Uh, We've got a lot to chat about, of course. So let's start here with that brutal loss to the Detroit Lions. I think that everyone's probably pretty sick of this game already, given that I imagine that you guys listening to the show have been taking in content from that loss and the kind of the ensuing, uh, the subsequent reactions and kind of what maneuvers the Vikings need to make since then. Uh, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, coaching options thrown around. I've seen some GM options thrown around. Basically the kind of the theme of what I've heard since the Vikings lost to the 0-10-1 Lions is that you got to blow this thing up. And it's kind of hard to argue with that at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with everybody else where, I mean, you know, I, I think there's a, uh, yeah, you have to, I think this was sort of the, the loss the Vikings almost needed to, to actually pull the trigger. Um, Cause I think there's been even going day back to kind of that, that playoff berth in 2019 and that playoff win that maybe extended things a little bit longer than it, they should have been. Um, but I think this was the loss that, you can, you know, the ownership, right. Can point to for sure and say, okay, this is, it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I say that because I think everybody is at fault. Um, and I say everybody, I kind of mean the sort of the three headed regime that's there. And I, and I'm talking about head coach, Mike Zimmer. I'm talking about general manager, Rick Spielman, and I'm talking about quarterback, Kirk cousins. Um, I think they all share pretty equal blame here. Um, number one, I think with, with Spielman, you know, I, I, I think he's obviously some of his drafts have been fantastic. You think 2015 is one of the all time drafts that uh, GM has put together. Um, and of course has sprinkled in some really good picks uh, outside of that and uh, been pretty solid at acquiring, not maybe the, the, you know, top of the line free agents, but the pretty kind of the mid tier free agents um, acquiring them and building up, bringing them onto the team. And then of course, guys like Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin, you know, these guys sticking around for as long as they have has been, something that he should be given credit for. Uh, but I've, I said it from the beginning of the season. I've said it throughout the season. The lack of depth on this roster was very concerning from the beginning. And we're seeing it now week in, week out with this defense, especially in how uh, depleted it is when a couple guys go down or miss games that there's just no uh, pass rush to be found. And you don't have any trustworthy DBs there without, let's say, Patrick Peterson out there. Mm-hmm. And suddenly things get pretty bad. Um, and of course, you know, with Kirk, We've talked about Kirk over and over, so I don't need to say too much about him, but just kind of that. Um, and I don't think this game in particular was necessarily on him, at least at the end of the game, but I think the slow start certainly needs to be recognized. Um, and then with Zimmer, I mean, that prevent defense needs to go. And the stats have been out there. You know, the Vikings are about to set a record for points allowed in the final two minutes of halves. And that record was previously set by the Vikings last year. So there's something about, Zimmer and the way he, I mean, that last drive with the lions, you're giving them, you're handing them those eight to 10 yard plays. Jared Goff didn't have to make one difficult throw that whole time. And you know, when you're going up against Oh, 10 and one Jared Goff, um, a team that's Oh, 10 and one certainly shouldn't be scared or scary to you, but also Jared Goff is just not scary to you. Why are you so afraid to bring the house as it's beyond me or I mean, not necessarily blitz every play, but mix it up a little bit. Don't give them the 10 yard cushion every single time because any quarterback with, you know, with 
uh, functioning arm and, and as breathing can make those throws. Mm-hmm. So I have questions about that. I would love to press Zimmer on some of that. And I, I wonder if I, I haven't fully listened to the press conferences and whatnot, but I would imagine I'm hoping that the local media did that because I, I can't, I can't, you know, get with Zimmer on that logic. I really can't. So that's kind of my quick, quick synopsis of sort of why cousins, why Zimmer, why Spielman all kind of, I think it's time to move on. Um, and I think this is the loss that when you look back at the end of the season, it will be the one that, that really helped the ownership pull the trigger. That's NFC North player of the week, Jared Goff, by the way. There you go. Um, or <laughs> NFC player of the week, excuse me. Um, so I'm with you. This isn't, well, this isn't the type of thing where it's just one person. And that's why the blow it up mantra is happening right now is because it's not just one person's fault. And here's the other thing too, is that if you are in the side where I see this, I've been seeing this a ton. So I'm going to point to it. There's a lot of people who will push the, uh, the narrative that this team has been good enough to win all of these close games. But at the same time, also been bad enough to lose all of these close games which i think is a very important side of the coin that even for the most optimistic fan you got to recognize that now this is something i discussed with one of my buddies earlier this week that i don't hate the rick spielman process i don't necessarily even hate the mike zimmer process i think over the last three weeks he has shown fairly substantial growth at least in terms of offensive game planning and contemporary play calling and decision-making. I don't hate these guys. I don't think they're bad at their jobs. And in fact, you know, Nick Olson said this in our Twitter group or chat earlier today, and I full-heartedly agree with him that if Zimmer gets fired, he's probably the hottest coach on the market. He's accomplished. He's gone to the playoffs several times. He's had this team on the brink of a Super Bowl, and he's as crafty as you're going to find from a defensive mind. He's also a guy that can instill a culture. I mean, if you remember what this team looked like in 2014, following Brad Childers, following Leslie Frazier, I mean, there was real problems going on here. There's like, what, the 27th-ranked defense, and overnight they became a you know top 15, and then overnight again it became a top five. Like, he is a guy who can clearly instill a culture. And so for the right team, he's the perfect head coach. The problem here is that, and this is the biggest cliche you're always you're going to hear in the NFL, but it's a results-oriented league. Like, even if your process is solid, even if you are good at your job, even if you do all the right things, if you have some bad luck mixed in there and your results suck, yeah, there's just not a whole lot that you can so, do about that. I think Zimmer is a, is a great head coach for a team that is reeling as a franchise mm-hmm. and has already begun starting over, which is what the Vikings were at. Um And I think, you know, and I, I, my take on this whole regime is that they did have that Super Bowl window. And I think they should be given credit for building that Super Bowl window, which was the 2017 season. Uh, It was there. And whether you want to credit injuries on, you know, Sam Bradford's knee, um, I think that was a huge part of it. I think there was a lot of potential there that season. A lot of bad luck for sure. Um, You know, I think, or I think, there's some element to me that, you know, that Vikings team peaked one year early, you know, you get Kirk in there in 2017, or maybe that team peaks in 2018, that defense, that's a team that can win the Super Bowl. Um, And so it's, I think they deserve credit for building the roster the way they did Zimmer building an all time defense in 2017, and then had some really, really good years outside of that um, uh, defensively. But now you're just seeing it all come kind of falling apart. And I think part of it too is Zimmer. It seems like, I, I don't know if anything is factually reported, but I just don't think Zimmer wanted uh, to pay Kirk cousins, the big deal, because then that's taking away from what he does defensively. And now you're starting to see that the last couple of seasons here where he hasn't had the pieces he needs to kind of execute his uh you know his kind of unique and, and crafty schemes there so that's where he and Spillman have the differences um and again they're all going to be tied together because of how the contracts all worked out be. and the extensions and uh so i think you, you i don't think you can separate one without the other i think you kind of have to start overall together so that's my take i think this is the loss that kind of um you know helps the the brass pull the trigger and I don't really want to talk more about that game because I, I don't like losing to the winless Lions. It's ironic because, you know, just what, three weeks ago we were talking about the Cowboys lock, loss kind of being the straw that broke the proverbial car- camel's back. This is so much worse. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so much Either worse. Either way, though, you think about it, this team let Cooper Rush 
uh, Jared Goff lead game winning touchdown drives in the last couple of minutes of the game to beat them. And yep. that should not be excused in any way. And so, you know, I, again, I love Mike Zimmer. I think he's very easy to root for in his story, his background. I love the guy, um, but I just have some serious questions about his, his operation in the final minutes of halves. And it has ultimately cost the Vikings at least those two games this year and probably a couple more. I think you could also see too on that last and that final play, of course, that's the one that everyone's going to remember because that's literally straw that broke the camel's back for the Vikings, both this season and that yeah. game. There's a reason now why you could point to why Cameron Dantzler hasn't been out there, by the way. I just wanted to point this out. I'm sure everyone's been saying it this week. I haven't listened to any local media or honestly anything from our specific little network, but like, dude, put your heels on the goal line. What are you covering? I can't, I could not believe that it was so, so frustrating for me. Well, the, no, the rest of the, the rest of the unit is doing their job. Like the other right. receivers are covered at the goal line. There's not an option for Jared to throw to. And if he had to make a throw, it would have had to bet a absolutely perfect yeah. ball. And it was not a hard reason. Amandra St. Brown is the guy that's just given the wide open spot there at the goal line. He catches it and he's, well, he hasn't yet to fall into the end. He's already in the end zone. So that's the point. That's Put your heels on the damn screw- goal line. A lot of people back it up. Do not allow the guy into the end zone. That's the only thing you have to do. The clock's going to beat them. If you just don't let them into the end zone. I don't get that. Put your heels on the goal line. Like I, I didn't play cornerback in high school. I learned that I I didn't play anything basically in high school. Like I shouldn't know that, but I do. So why doesn't Cameron Dantzler that blows my mind. And that's why the Vikings. that's ultimately like, there's a lot of things that went wrong. Like the Vikings lost that game in the first half and fought their way back to even get to the point where they had a chance at the end. But like, come on. It's not like, you know, something's not working when it's such a basic concept, right? Like anyone that watches football, that loves football, that's into the schemes, et cetera, knows what went wrong on that play. I know that Xavier Woods was like, oh, we didn't execute. It's like, no, nah, no, nah. it's Cameron Dantzler that didn't execute. It wasn't one human being. And I did just, it blows my mind because if, if you put Patrick Peterson out there, you know that he makes the right play, right? Like if he's able to be out there, yeah. I think the Vikings win that football game. It's literally came down to one play. And I think the Vikings would have won. And I don't think the rest of the game matters, honestly. The rest of the game, like the Vikings played like shit. They did not play well throughout the entire game. It was it was a disgusting performance top to bottom. But ultimately, that's the play that's going to be remembered. It should be remembered because it's literally like it came down to such a simple concept. It came down to such a simple technique. that like, I just, I just wish he, Jared Goff, you know, when a quarterback drives down to win the game, you want him to be throwing difficult passes to do so. Absolutely. Like you want to make it difficult. Sideline throws. Nothing about that drive was tough for Jared Goff. It was no. the easiest final drive, your game-winning touchdown drive I've ever seen in terms of going all the way down the field. He had, what, a minute and a half with no timeouts. That's the easiest I've ever seen somebody just march down the field. Like, all those passes, there's all their separation. There's not a lot of pressure. It's, I, mean, I think they had three man rush basically that whole, that whole drive. I think there was one time Harrison Smith freelance blitzed yeah. on a play just because he wanted to. He was fed up with them getting chunk yards and he nearly got there to force that game winning fumble. But I don't know. I, I, let's move on because I'm sick yeah. of it. We could do that. Definitely. I'm sure everyone else is too. All right. Let's, uh, Let's move forward here. So, like I said at the top here, obviously that is the type of loss that really kills the morale, um, at least for the fan base. I hope the, the locker room's still all right because technically they're not out of it, right? Um, it's not a good position to be in, but Washington isn't exactly running away with that number seven seed. 49ers lost to the Shithawks last week. Like, there's a lot of things that have happened that also favor the Vikings, despite the fact that they did lose, again, to the winless at the time Lions. Yes, the worst-case scenario happened, but – there's still a, there's still a road to the postseason, and that doesn't necessarily absolve Spielman, Zimmer, Cousins, etc. But there is a road there, and like yeah, you can lessen the blow a little bit. I still think that they're gone no matter what. I know that the Wilfs they haven't they've set no historical precedent that a coach in good standing personally is going to get fired during the season. The only time they've ever done is with Brad Childress. And of course he literally just did whatever he wanted. He was asking it, for it. Yeah. He, he got burned by it. The Wolves aren't going to fire Zimmer. It definitely not before a Thursday game, but they still have a road here. And it starts with this game against the Steelers. The Steelers are kind of like the Vikings in the sense that they don't know. They don't seem to realize that they're past their prime. It's not just Ben Roethlisberger. He's the perfect microcosm of what the Steelers have become. Sure. But this whole team, this, this group 
like Mike Tomlin has been a yeah. 500 or better coach his entire career, and he's really struggling to get this team over to that point. You're throwing the ball nonstop to Deontay Johnson. I think he's averaging like 15 targets a game. They're basically a one-man show, with, and then you got Najee Harris as well, who's been outstanding. Between Harris rookie. and Johnson, that's you know that's it. 25 of Big Ben's targets every week. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna compare Mike Tomlin and Mike Zimmer for a second, which is maybe sound a little bit um, incorrect to the to the listeners, but uh, Mike Tomlin at this point of I know he won a Super Bowl and. Uh, fantastic coach um, over the years, but I think he's at that point now where like you're looking for that flash from him to kind of for Steelers fans, I guess, to, you know, continue to put their faith in him. And he does it like every few weeks, right? Like you get the Ravens win. Yeah. Um, huge, huge for their fans, which base, of course. huge. And he, he just, he's such a good motivator and he gets his team ready for those big games when they're underdogs, the Steelers perform um, repeatedly over and over really well. At the same time, they are, they, I have, a, I have a friend who's in our fantasy league and he's a Steelers fan. And he says, it seems like he's talking about the Vikings because he, he says the Steelers always play down a competition. Hence the tie earlier this year to Detroit, which is actually funny. Now that I think about it, Yeah, the lions, th- these are the two teams that did not beat Detroit this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think both. And then you talk about Zimmer. I'm trying to make that comparison. Zimmer, We'll give you that flash too of like a really well coached game a la Green Bay or a really well coached game, really well, you know, schemed up blitz at a key third down in yeah. a game out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, okay, well, you don't want to lose that, right? So they each have their those key strengths, like Zimmer third downs defensively, this the creative schemes and blitzes, Mike Tomlin, master motivator. And they do those at such unique times, and then they bring out the best in their teams, and suddenly you don't want those guys gone. I think that's what you have here. And it's going to be fun to watch. I, I, I don't see why the Vikings are favored in this game. It's a little bit weird to me mm-hmm. um, coming off a loss to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Steelers just beat Baltimore. Um, and it seems like the Vikings are reeling the last two weeks. Don't really have a defense to speak of, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm mostly excited to see those uniforms and to see the Vikings on prime time and um, then kind of be done with the season. <laughs> It's kind of gotten to that point, but at the same time, like the Steelers are just as vulnerable as your Vikings are, right? Like they have so many issues throughout their offense and defense. Like, yeah, they've got the great playmakers. They've got TJ Watt, of course, who I'm sure is just going to give the Vikings makeshift offensive line fits. I don't think there really needs to be more, much more said about that. His, his play speaks for itself. And you've got some good players that are going to get you, you know, big moment plays like you were alluding to. But they're so weak in the, the prime areas, right? Like Ben Roethlisberger is just not the same guy anymore. No. He's noodle arm, and he's easily toppled. I mean, you remember back in like, I don't want to say like 2005, but like that's kind of the, your introduction to Ben Roethlisberger and the quote Big Ben nickname, right? This guy used to be impossible to sack. He falls over like a pile of rocks now. Like it's, it, you can pass rush this team. And their offensive line is not quite the same as it was during their Super Bowl years or kind of the, you know, the, the contemporary golden age of Steelers football. But they've got enough where they can beat you, specifically Najee Harris. It makes me very nervous because I, I know that there's you know, a very clear-cut winner for Offensive Rookie of the Year at this point. But if it wasn't a quarter, if, if all awards weren't quarterback awards, Najee Harris is literally doing everything for his team. It's him and Deontay Johnson, like we said before. It's just those two guys. But Harris, he, I'm scared of him because the Vikings can't stop anyone on the ground, period. They couldn't stop Jamal, Jamal Williams. I mean, the week before was disgusting against San Francisco. It's just a bad situation defensively. And, yeah, I think there is the expectation this week that you're going to get Michael Pierce back. Um, you're going to get a couple of other pieces back. I think Eric Kendricks is supposed to return as well. Anthony Barr will be out there again. Um, so there is – reasons to believe that the Vikings can improve in that specific area. But that's all I've seen the last two weeks is the Vikings having the ball jammed down their throat at the wrong time. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, I do like the Vikings a lot better against the run just because Tomlinson Pierce Kendrickson bar. I believe this will be the first time all four of them have played together. That was floating around in the game, um, which is going to be wild to think about, but I, I do like the Vikings in that aspect. I think this, I see this as being a lower scoring game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I don't think benefits the Vikings. I think that's a little bit where Mike Tomlin likes to out coach and, and master motivate his team to make those key plays. So let me ask you this. The game of course is being played, played on Thursday night. Of course we're recording this on a Wednesday. So I just, it, as of tonight, right? Do the Vikings, what type of edge or disadvantage are the Vikings specifically at by playing on Thursday night football, right? So, you know, in general, right, the, the obvious thing is you get less preparation, right? That leads to more mistakes, that leads to more injuries, that leads to this and that. And fo- playing, on fo- playing football on Thursday night is just generally harder, basically unanimously from players, right? Like everyone and their mothers will tell you that it's hard to play on Thursday night. To me, I think that gives the Vikings a bit of an edge because, you know, you look at the fact that, first of all, you're playing at home. That's the defining edge. The fact that you get to be in your comfort zone. You don't have to travel on Monday or Tuesday. I don't know which day Tomlin decided on, but you don't have to travel early in the week. You don't have to cross time zones, by the way, either. I know that these are all little details, but they they kind of build up to this, you know, this full pie of reasons why the Vikings might have a bit of an edge here. Now, you get to stay at home and practice. You're getting a lot of guys back as well. To me, playing on Thursday night and kind of getting back out there immediately is the best possible thing that could happen to the Vikings right now. Yeah, right. I think so, too, because, I mean, you can't I mean, and I don't get I don't know what the process is like for a team after, you know, uh, a Sunday. I know generally it seems like they get the Monday off. Then Tuesday, they come back in and start preparing for the next week. Maybe they watched some film of the previous game, and that's kind of the where I would imagine the Vikings didn't do that this week, um, as a, at least as a group. But the other thing, too, which I think is unique, and I don't think you see this a lot, but I think the Vikings almost having the short week is almost an advantage injury-wise because they did have guys kind of pull out late or were kind of surprise inactives with Barr and Kendricks and, and those guys last week um, where – they were probably, you know, if that was a game where it was, you know, playoff spot on the line week 18, those guys probably play, but they saved them um, and have them basically banked for this this week against Pittsburgh. Right. And I don't think the Steelers have that advantage. You see Joe Hayden, I believe, is out their number one cornerback. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think from that sense, it's kind of weird. I know Thielen's out, but I don't think he'd play this week anyway. If it was on a Sunday based on his ankle, probably the same for Dalvin Cook. Um, So I think from that sense, the Vikings are weirdly at that advantage where playing on Thursday is, at least compared to Pittsburgh, a a good advantage for them uh, just because they kind of rested a few key guys against Detroit that probably would have played if it was a big-time must-win game that they can now roll out there on Thursday. Yeah, and then you just look like kind of the piece of what I was just saying. Like, if you think about... Like if you played football or you played something competitively, I don't care if it's skiing or croquet, whatever, and you lose some like a big matchup, right? The worst thing you can do for yourself is sit there and kind of have that hang, like uh, develop that hangover, right? Like sit there and, you know, woe is me and um, feel sorry for yourself and we suck and this and that, whatever. This game gives you the opportunity to just straight up be like, all right, game's over. We got to prepare for the Steelers. We don't have a choice. Let's get out there. Let's try and win this one. If the Vikings can win this, like all of a sudden, like you can put the Detroit game in the past. Like, yeah, it still sucks, but like you can get a win this week, be right back in the thick of it. And what, you still have five more weeks to play, five more games to play or something like that? Like there's time. And this is, I think this is a good opportunity. I think this is like kind of the rip the bandaid off type of situation where it's like, yeah, that really hurt. That sucked. It devastated your you know, potential playoff hopes. I believe Green Bay can actually clinch the division this week as a result of what happened to the Vikings. So you have an opportunity here to just straight up just like you don't have three more days to think about it, to sulk or to you know watch the film or whatever. It's gone. You don't have a choice. So I think that really works in the Vikings' favor. And to me, the Vikings have more to lose than this – well. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't say that, but like in general, the Vikings have this loss losing to the Steelers here is over for the Vikings. Whereas the Steelers kind of, you know, they've been up and down all season long. I don't think this is a devastating loss. If the, if they were to lose here, they just came off a big win over Baltimore. You know, I'm sure the fans are very excited in Pittsburgh right now. We're like, as a group, like you might get a mutiny if the Vikings lose on Thursday especially what you were just saying too before about the prevent defense and kind of the Vikings seemingly starting to freelance a little bit, like things could happen. This could be, 
this is how this is the only way that I see Mike Zimmer getting fired midseason is if the Vikings get embarrassed tonight on Thursday night football. Yeah. If they get absolutely embarrassed, like you have to pull the trigger. This is national television. I mean, the team just lost to Detroit. Like all of a sudden, all the things that all the bad stuff that just happened comes right back if you blow this one. But if the Vikings win, you're right back. You're, I mean, you're right back in it. So I think this is a great opportunity. I really do. Like you get no one wants to play on Thursday night, but the opportunity to get right back out there and just forget about what happened last week is there for the taking. So if the Vikings have the right coaching right? The right motivation. It'd be nice to have Mike Tomlin this yeah. week. Honestly, I also did see that if, if every team that's favored this week, which would include the Vikings uh, wins, the Vikings would be the seven seed. On so, exactly. It's not games. over. Like it feels <laughs> so like, over, but it's not, yeah. it's a, it's exactly. a very precarious situation to be in. And I really don't think that there's anything that Zimmer and co can do to save their jobs at this point. Like even if they make the postseason and get blown out in the first round, I think it's over no matter what. I, I, I hope so. I do. <laughs> um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to like be the internal pessimist here. Um, and I know I kind of have a knack for that, um, but I just, the time's up. The time is up. Um, and I, again, a ton of respect for Zimmer and Spielman and what they've done and, and some of the great moves that they've made or the great, you know, coaching that Zimmer has done, yeah. but it's just the time is up. I think that Lions, that Lions game kind of shed the, shed the light on it a little bit more. Um, I, with that said, I still do think the Vikings are very much alive in this wild card race. And um, I'm going to be rooting for them. I'm going to be rooting to watch the Vikings in one extra game this year, potentially two, if they can catch lightning in a bottle in that playoff game. But um, I, even if they make a run, I mean, I can't see a scenario unless they really, go deep into the playoffs that uh you know those guys are retained yep yep all right so essentially here the vikings are not dead even if it feels like they are that's kind of the now they can be if they lose absolutely yeah there's a great opportunity to be done period if they lose this football game but i guess there are things in their favor here there are things that are not so in their favor. I do think the Vikings have the better quarterback on the field, which generally speaking is a very good indicator of success. Um, I would much rather have Kirk Cousins right now. I don't say that every week. So there's a very real chance that the Vikings are able to get this W. Now, I guess this is probably a good place in, to move into our picks here. Do they actually get it done? Do they have enough injury-wise? I mean, of course, Dalvin Cook's probably going to be out. You still get to keep you know, Alexander Madison in there with another solid game. Um, it's Adam Thielen's going to be out. Justin Jefferson, I mean, he took that opportunity and ran with it, like no pun intended. Uh, I think you have enough. So where are you at? Do the Vikings get it done against the Steelers? Or is yeah, just- I, I, I sneaky think the Vikings match up well with Pittsburgh. And I I think they're going to win this game. Um, I'm going to pick them. I, you can tell I'm not excited about it uh, just because we're going to get – it's going to be – you know, it's funny because we're all doom and gloom right now about the, the regime and everything. And I, I think it's warranted, but then we're going to get back on the show then after this game or next week. And we're going to say, Oh, here's what they got to do to make the playoffs. You know? So I do think they're going to win this game. I think, you know, Pittsburgh has the worst run defense in the NFL in terms of yards per carry allowed. Uh, the chargers did have that back when the Vikings played the chargers. Now the Steelers have it. And I see the Vikings with Madison, with Wong Wu uh, running the ball pretty well on this team. Um, that's the game Mike Zimmer likes to play. I think the Vikings will go that route. I don't think it'll be a big stack game for Kirk Cousins, but I do think Madison will have a big night. And I think the Vikings will win without t- scoring a ton of points in this game because I think the Steelers' offense is still pretty bad. So uh, give me the Vikings. Yeah, I'm taking the Vikings too. <laughs> and I hate it because it just gives me another opportunity to get burned and make me feel stupid like I did last week, right? But I think that there's enough in their favor here. And to me, you tip the scales with two points. Like I said before, better quarterback, home field advantage. I think that that's enough in this game. I don't think the Steelers are a team to, they're not a team to beat, right? Like you don't have to be overtly concerned about the Steelers. If you play your, your game, if Kirk cousins comes out and plays to the the ability that he has basically every week this season, which has been very good. Like the win loss record does not reflect how well Kirk cousins has played for the majority of this season. If he goes out and plays good football at home, the Vikings are going to win this game. That's why they're the pick. The problem is, is that I can't, comfortably say that any of that's going to come true. It's my pick, but I'm not comfortable. And I said the same thing last week. Like I, we called our shot. And honestly, a lot of you guys did as well. We knew that it was possible to lose to Detroit and it's just as possible to lose to Pittsburgh. 
No doubt in my mind about that. There's no easy victory for this Vikings team. There never will be. I'm going to say the same thing every single week. They do not have a cakewalk to any win, period. It doesn't matter if it's Ben Roethlisberger keeling over in his grave or Jared Goff, you know, taking this team, taking Detroit down the field to score a touchdown to win the football game. The Vikings can always lose. Always, always, always. It can always get worse. Remember that point. But I think they have enough to win this game. And I feel like I'm going to be optimistic again next week, just like you said. Like it's, it's a true be great. It <sighs> yeah. sucks, but with that seven seat, that seven seat, the seven know. seat is so stupid. It's a it's NFL. A, it's, it's a NFL mind. should not have done that. It's so dumb. It's, just it's so me. dumb. Yeah, it's ruining my mind. It's it's twisting my. It's I'm, it's it's. I I never th- I never anticipated this much of a difference between having six seeds and having seven. Yeah, where that seven seed feels like. I mean, it doesn't feel like that team last year was the Bears for one. But it doesn't feel like whatever team that is is going to belong ever, like ever in the NFL. Uh, it doesn't feel like that seven seed will ever belong in the playoffs. Yeah, it kind and of it's feels certainly like the that, case this year. Kind of feels like a fourteen-three matchup in March Madness, where it's like you think you know for sure who's going to win the game, yeah, yeah. but then every once in a while, like maybe, maybe that's kind of what right. it feels like. That two-seven is basically a you know a bye week team getting the worst yeah. good team. And I get it. It's for money and it's for TV yeah. and for it's, you get it, more it's games. Good. It keeps it's, me it's more it. entertaining. It's more ententaining as well for the fan because your yeah. teams are more are alive more, but also there's just more playoff games, which is fun. So and anyway, I, here. that's my as, quick rant on that. Let's be real here as Vikings fan too. All we really need is like that small shred of hope. And then we're back. Like we're, we're here, right? Like <laughs> oh we're, yeah. Where this isn't Boston, like we don't we don't freak out and boo after a loss. Like, yeah, where it's painful and it hurts and we cry together. But you know, right. ultimately we're back, and it's, I think that this is a we're back game, right? Like you play Pittsburgh and you're literally, you know, uh, theoretically, hypothetically, also, whatever. It'd, it'd just be back. very Vikings to lose to the worst team in the NFL and then come back and win. And it's somewhat convincing fashion the very next week. So, absolutely. All right. So, both of us are rolling with Minnesota, which yeah, take that for what it's worth, whatever. Um, next one here, heading into the rest of the NFL slate. I don't think this is the best of weeks. This is probably a good red zone week. Uh, Baltimore and Cleveland. This might be one of the better matchups, of course, because it is an AFC divisional matchup between two teams that at least were supposed to be very good, have not looked super good as of late. Um, could be a comeback game or a we're back game for Baltimore as well. Of course, coming off that loss to the Steelers last week, Cleveland needs something though. Like I think that they're 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 in a dark place right now yeah. too. So I got I got Cleveland in this one. Um, I think they're going to be. Well, I think the Ravens are pretty good on in the trenches. I think the Browns are just a little bit better. And I think that's where this game is one kind of a you know the, the the old school AFC North type of game here, and I think the Browns win it. I'm going to take Baltimore. Um, it, it's interesting that you say that because I think that the greatest strength that Cleveland has is controlling a guy like Lamar Jackson who beats you with his feet often. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think this is going to be a one-man show game because I don't think Cleveland has enough right now to, to beat Lamar Jackson and you know what he does super well. So I'm going to take Baltimore. I think they're the better overall team. And their quarterback is crazy, and they're coming off of a loss. I expect John Harbaugh to have them ready. Um, so I'm going to take I'm going to take Baltimore here. Uh, next one is Jacksonville and Tennessee. I think generally we wouldn't even talk about this one, but with the yeah, that- I mean it's I mean I think we're going to pick Tennessee. They've yeah, had yeah. they've lost to Houston and the Jets this year, so maybe this is next in line. But uh, I'm the odds say Titans are going to win this game. Yeah, I'm taking Tennessee as well. I think the obvious thing here is just that like this is a division game too, which means that anyone could win in theory, right? Uh, but Jacksonville's really not good. And Tennessee is, in theory, really very good and well in the, in the way that the roster is constructed. So they're the easy pick here. We'll both roll with Tennessee. I, uh, I do want to bring up a stat to you. Um, Let's hear it. Because I saw, I was brought to this, this was brought to my attention by a, a Jaguars fan. And um, I am amazed by it. The Jaguars have not scored uh, 20 points. In let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks. Hmm. They have scored so they had a bye week, then they scored seven, nine, and they beat the Bills. 17, 10, 14, 7. Or they have they have not scored 20. Yeah. And the highest they scored all year is 23. Yeah, I'm definitely taking that's not good. That's not good. 
<laughs> my my favorite thing with them is the matchup, or excuse me, like the internal like whatever's going on between James Robinson and Urban Meyer. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorite shows every single week. Every single week, he's got some sort of passive aggressive comment about yeah. James Robinson or like it's, it's the unreal. running backs. It's yeah. <laughs> he just really wants Travis Etienne back in there. All right, uh, Tennessee for both of us. They're gonna knock. Jacksonville down. All right. Next one here is Las Vegas and Kansas city. Uh, Vegas is still pretty fun, I, I suppose. Um, and Kansas city seems to have their mojo back. Of course, this is an AFC um, divisional showdown as well. So this one has the potential to be a pretty good football game. Who do you got in this one? I have the Kansas city Chiefs, And I think that's there. It's weird because their defense was hideous for like six weeks. And now it's like elite out of nowhere. So, I don't know what happened. I don't know who changed what, but the Chiefs are good are good again. So give me the give me the Chiefs, and they are not even like offensively playing well, so which is kind of scary for the rest of the league. Yep, absolutely. Like I, I think that they're back, but they're not like as, they're not reaching their full potential. And I think this is the type of game where you get the full Patrick Mahomes show because this is you know a key matchup for them in the in the AFC West. Um, you can kind of put an end to anything any sort of run that Las Vegas was trying to conjure up by winning this game. So I'm going to take the Chiefs as well. All right, next one here is New Orleans and the New York Jets. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I would say, like, two, like three weeks ago, we would say New Orleans in, like, no doubt. But Zach Wilson looked pretty good last week. Taysom Hill is a thrill ride, if nothing else. Um, and you've got kind of an interesting dynamic here where I don't know how good this, the Saints are anymore, and it seems like the Jets are figuring it out a little bit more each week. Is this an upset in the making, or does New Orleans get it done? Um, I'm going to take the jets. Um, I, I saw enough from their offense, at least to begin the game against Philly that I'm going to just roll with it. Even though the saints do kind of scare me. I'm going to take new Orleans for one reason. One reason alone is that Zach Wilson does not look good against good defenses. And I think that this team, while I did say that new Orleans is kind of overrated defensively, I do think that they're enough of a problem in terms of their scheme and the way they defend the run that Zach Wilson is going to have problems. I think this is a multiple interception game for him. So I'm going to take new Orleans on the, on the heels of saying that the team that turns the ball over less wins the, this football game. And I think that's new Orleans. So I'll take new Orleans here as well. And we'll split on that one. Um, next one here has the potential to be the game of the week. We talked a little bit about this one before the show here. That is Dallas at Washington. And why this is important is because Dallas does not look like the world beaters like they look like the first month and a half or so. Taylor Heineke, on the other hand, has been in rallying the troops, not in the prettiest way ever, but they're winning games. They're actually in the postseason. They took your Vikings postseason spot. And it's also a division matchup. So I think this one has the potential to be very, very fun. Who do you got in this one? Yeah, so that, this, it's sneaky about this one too because we kind of all year have been – kind of dismissing the NFC East as a competitive division because, you know, Cowboys, and then you got the rest of the teams kind of at the bottom between, you know, Washington, Philly, and the Giants. Washington can sneaky get it within striking distance of the division here with a win. I'm going to roll with Washington. They're, they're, Ron Rivera's got them playing gritty, gritty football, and I like what Heineke's doing. He seems to be making the, the key plays at the right time. One thing about them too, if they need a long drive, they will they will execute that long drive. I remember I believe they they iced the game against Tampa Bay with like a 20 play drive. They did it again against the Raiders the other day. Um, I'm taking Washington. I'm gonna take Dallas just because it seems like the fundamentally safe pick. I'm rooting for Washington, even though that actually hurts the Vikings chances, because I would love to see Taylor Heineke beat the Cowboys. I want to see Jerry Jones's reaction to that. So I'm taking Dallas. because I think it's the safer pick, but, but I'd love to see Washington win this one on the flip side of that. If Dallas wins, like you said, at the top of the show, the Vikings have the opportunity to get right back in there. So keep that in mind as well. All right, we'll split there. Next one here is Atlanta and Carolina. We're filled with kind of these ridiculous like division matchups, like division rivalries. Um, it's technically, it feels like a little bit of like a mini rivalry week, like the NFL's response to college football doing what they did. Uh, but this one, this one's not going to be pretty. This is probably going to be one of the ugliest football games that you're going to see. And it's because it's a lot of manufactured touches for Atlanta and I don't even know what Carolina is doing at this point. Like I'm very confused with yeah. their offense, 
they just fired the, they just fired Joe Brady, who I, I don't I don't particularly like him as much like everyone else. But I have no idea what they're doing. They have zero identity. Their identity right now is Cam Newton, and he returned like three weeks ago. I I, I find it very difficult to yeah. pick against Atlanta in this matchup because Carolina is I don't know who they are. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm going with Atlanta, even though. Atlanta is not exactly, you know, right. building confidence in. Definitely, uh, not. you're not confident in that pick, but uh, I, I don't know what the Panthers are. You're right, so I'm going to go with the Falcons. Yep. All right, Atlanta for both of us. Next one here is Seattle and Houston. Uh, Yuck. Really bad teams. That's going to be disgusting. I don't think this one even pops up on red zone because I feel like there's going to be very few touchdowns scored here. Yeah, Seattle for both of us. Davis I mean, Mills, if I'm not mistaken, is <laughs> playing quarterback, so. Yeah, that's probably all you really need to hear. Adrian Peterson, by the way, scored his 120th touchdown last that week. That guy will score a touchdown for every team, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's. I saw Chris Johnson commented like on like a like a 2K Chris Johnson commented on a post that like was announcing his signing to the to Seattle. That was, and he responded with something like, "Running it until the wheels come off." Yeah, <laughs> and that's what it is for Adrian Peterson. It if is. Nothing else, you know. Adrian Peterson can score a few more touchdowns. All right. Seattle for both of us. Next one here is those Detroit Lions returning, trying to get their second victory of the year against Teddy Bridgewater, George Payton, and the Denver Broncos. Who gets this one done? I mean, I'm I'm going Broncos. Um, I'm not betting on the Lions winning two in a row. Yeah. I I said it last week, and it ended up happening, right? Uh, But whoever is picking Detroit, like at this point, you've done it so many times, like you're wrong no matter what. You don't pick Detroit. You just you lose to Detroit. That's kind of that's kind of where we're at. So I'm taking Denver for sure. Even if Detroit wins, I would never. I'm not picking them anymore. Like this is not. They're not a good enough team to pick. Period. And the Vikings still lost to them. By the way, it sucks. I hate everything. All right. Next one here is the New York Giants and the Los Angeles Chargers, which I think has the potential to be a little bit fun, at least in terms of. Do you see who may start for the Giants at quarterback? No, I didn't. Jake Fromm. Oh, really? Okay. Because Glennon is hurt, and uh, Daniel Jones is still hurt, I believe. So he is, I think, in line right now to start. It's not confirmed yet. But so Jake Fromm has zero NFL regular experience, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, what I noticed, too, is that uh, today, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams went on COVID list for the Chargers, as did right. Chris Harris. So they're losing potentially a lot of key players. Um I'm going to take the Giants in this game. Uh, it just feels like a game the Chargers lose, which me- I know means I'm putting my faith in Jake Fromm, but I'm going to kind of go against the grain here with the Giants. Well, we don't really know who NFL Jake Fromm is, so there is kind of a mis- mystery factor here. That being said, I'm going to take the Chargers. I think Justin Herbert's playing pretty well. He does have some of those dumb throws every once in a while that you see, and you're just like, why is he making that throw when he has – you know, so many, he has other opportunities, but the Giants aren't good as a team. And I'm going to bet that Jake Fromm is also not an NFL quarterback. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Chargers, but I'm interested. I This this one has my interest and it really should. Let's be real here. All right. Next one here is San Francisco and Cincinnati. This is going to be a gritty, gritty, gritty football matchup here. Uh, Joe Burrow is playing with that broken pinky. Uh the San Francisco 49ers coming off a loss against Seattle. They hurt. I don't think they, their loss to Seattle was as devastating, if not more so than the Vikings losing to the Lions last week, because they had a chance to really lock up that. What would it be? The sixth seed in the postseason, yeah. And instead they, they opened the door wide open once again. And now they have to play Cincinnati who's playing good football. I know they lost last week, but they're as much of a contender as anyone in the AFC. Who do you got in this one? Give me Cincy bouncing back after what happened with the Chargers game. Um, and that's also me kind of just rooting for the winners to lose here for playoff implications. Yeah, I'm going to take Cincinnati as well. I, I like I like Cincinnati a lot. I, I love – I'm very jealous. I've said this before. I'm very, very jealous of what they're building. I think that they have kind of like the, the flair that they had early in the season has faded a little bit, but Joe Burrow has not. The dude is fun to watch. He's tough. I mean – I, I would love to have that guy as my quarterback. I'm so jealous. And I think he gets it done here against San Francisco. They're also playing at home. So I'll say take Cincinnati as well. All right. Next one here. I think this one 
Eh, there's one more coming up here, but this is probably right up there for game of the week, and that's Buffalo and Tampa Bay. Buffalo, of course, coming off of that ridiculous loss to the New England Patriots in which Mac Jones only threw three passes, and they ran all over them to the tune of, what, a 14-10 to 10 score uh, in ridiculous weather conditions. They get the opportunity now to play against the other half of the Bill Belichick-Tom Brady thing and against Tampa Bay here this week. Uh, potential bounce-back game. Tampa Bay also hasn't looked like Super Bowl champions yet. Like I know they're going to get there. Don't get me wrong, but they don't look like they're peaking yet. So I think this is a good opportunity for Buffalo, a needed bounce back opportunity. Yeah. By the way, their fans are going nuts. They're they're ready to fire everyone too. And they need this one. So who gets this one done? I got Tampa. Um, the Bills just I they they're kind of like the Chiefs, where offensively they haven't quite looked themselves lately, but also defensively. The bills are reeling too. Um, when you get run on like that, and obviously there's some issues. So I got the Bucks. Yeah, I'm gonna take Buffalo here. Uh, I don't know why. I don't really have a good reason. I'm gonna call it bounce back, but I don't know. I think that I think I just want Buffalo to win. Honestly, I think that's what it kind of comes down to here. I both of these teams are good teams, they're quality football teams. I think this will be a fun matchup. It's a coin flip game to me, and generally I'd probably go with the home team, which is Tampa Bay, but they don't have as much of a home field advantage as I would like to see. So I'm going to take Buffalo in a bounce-back effort. That's that's my pick here, so we'll split on that one. All right, Sunday night football here. I don't think this is going to be a good matchup. It should be fun for us as Vikings fans, and that's Chicago playing at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers. I think it's pretty clear-cut who's going to win this game, but Justin Fields is going to be back. Should be exciting in that respect, at least. Yeah, it will be. That'll be fun. Uh, but I'm taking the Packers. Um, I do think Fields will make a couple cool plays. That'll be like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like kind of will make me mad because of, they have their franchise quarterback. But uh, give me give me the Packers. Yeah, Green Bay is ready to win now. Chicago is not. It's really as simple as that. And then, of course, they're playing at Lambeau Field. I, I think it would take a lot for Chicago to find a win here. I, they're not. Ex- no one is expecting Chicago to even contend in this one. This is basically a freebie for them. They don't need to win. They don't need to play well. Nothing. Um, because Green Bay is the better team, straight up, and they're also coming off a bye. Good luck, Chicago. I got Green Bay for sure. All right, next one here, final one of the week, is the Los Angeles Rams and Arizona Cardinals. I think this one has the potential to be game of the week. A lot of fun with Kyler Murray coming back last week. He's healthy. Hopkins came back last week. He appears to be healthy. Really, really fun offense in Arizona. I think Cliff Kingsbury is coach of the year at this point. And then you've got, on the flip side, you know, the world beaters, the guys, the the Los Angeles Rams who have gone out and signed basically every big name player from the last five years or so and compiled this, you know, monster Frankenstein um, of a team. And they looked really good last week, but I believe they're what one in three since acquiring Von Miller. Um, You're getting some back from Odell Beckham. I still don't know if they're going to be able to put the whole thing together, but this is a huge opportunity for them. This is a great matchup. Should be a lot of fun on Monday night. Who you got in this one? Give me the Los Angeles Rams. Um, part of me, I just, I don't, and this is just, I don't watch a lot of Cardinals football. Um, so you can blame that on me, I guess here, but <laughs> I, I just, I'm not buying into them yet. I'm not, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me thinking back to that Vikings game where the Vikings outplayed them and probably should have won the game. But I, I I'm going to go with the Rams here, even though I've seen them put up a couple clunkers themselves. Um, I just, I, I, I feel like they're going to win this game. So I wrote in the Rams with a little note that said, pick whichever team drew doesn't pick. So I'm going to pick Arizona okay. here because I think this is a coin flip game. It's I, I don't, I don't know who's going to win. I honestly, and I don't know who the better team is between these two teams. Obviously Arizona has the better record. They've played better football to date, but let's be real here. Who is the better roster? It's not even close. Right. Like if if this was week one, everyone would pick Los Angeles and no doubt. I will say this. Both of these teams are filled with players that, you know, you like would love to have on your fantasy team in 2016. Right. Like, I mean, you got (laughs) Matt Stafford. You have A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, On the other side, you have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Robert Woods. You have Cooper Cup. That is a loaded fantasy roster right there. and so it's Sony Michelle too, uh, digging back to Georgia. So um, that's it's fun. I got the Rams though. Yeah. All right. We'll split on that one. That rounds out our picks for the week. So as we always do, is there anything that we missed here? Any final points of emphasis that you'd like to drive home before we get out of here? I did want to bring up one thing that um, was brought to my attention by my one of my brothers who um, saw this. It is 
there's an Instagram account called it's a NFL poll nation. So at NFL poll nation over the last few weeks, I think they started it right at the beginning of November. They basically been putting up this bracket, so to speak of, you know, to vote on the best quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, with a, which each kind of, there's a, a certain period of days you you take time to vote and then that quarterbacks are eliminated and then keep getting eliminated until there's one guy left. Well, it's, it appears as though there was a Vikings fan account that sent over lots of Vikings fans to this, this uh, challenge here or this, this vote. No. And uh, what happened was people hopped on the bit. And so Kirk cousins was voted as the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, <laughs> He sounds like if I'm reading this correctly, he won the vote over Tom Brady, 81 to 19 (laughs) in the final vote. Like he was, he was far and away just dominating these votes. Um, And it's, it's funny to, to look at that final thing. It's Kirk, Tom Brady, Rogers, Murray, Mahomes, Allen, Jackson, Dak, Stafford, and Herbert were your top 10. So congratulations to Kirk cousins. He is the, Number one quarterback in the NFL as voted on by NFL fans uh, on the at NFL poll nation uh, challenge. So good for him. I love that. That's a great place to end. Uh, hilarious. All right. By the way, all the comments, by the way, it's just like, I love democracy. democracy <laughs> so everybody's it's like, clearly it's a bit because it's like, we did it, boys. Like, yeah, yeah. Democracy is the best. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. All right, folks. Thank you as always for listening. Um, We are through for this week. We will be back next week, hopefully, uh, talking about a Vikings victory. And if not, we'll be back anyways to gloom and doom with you all. Um, In the meantime, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket Network. All the guys on the team create a lot of different, unique content. So if you don't like us, you might like someone else on our team. So make sure to check that out. We appreciate that. Then make sure to check out the Daily Norseman for all of your blogging needs. Tons of new content goes up every single day. Uh, That's the home base for us. So make sure to check that out. So thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Oh,